0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.
2: Hey, it's Courtney from LiveWire, and thanks so much for listening to our podcast, we love being able to offer this free service to our listeners. And in order to offset that cost, we're hoping that you might be willing to donate whatever you can on our website at livewireradio.org. Because, yes, we've heard the saying that the best things in life are free, but we've also heard that other one there's no such thing as a free podcast. Enjoy the show.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, Project Runway's Tim Gunn.
3: Hi, Portland. It's Tim Gunn. Isn't it exciting? Your own Gretchen Jones is season eight's winning designer. Sounds like you're happy, Portland. As you may have seen on the show, I was much more a fan of Mondo's work. But I guess that's the way the crinoline crinkles. I just made that up. I'm very creative. So about the Gretchen thing. Yeah, she was awful. It took a lot for me to fix this one. The second win in as many years for the Portland area. And that makes three out of eight winners from Portland. It's, it's starting to look suspect But we had a deal Yet Portland, I don't feel like you're holding up your end of the bargain I promised to turn Portland designers into Project Runway winners To combat your reputation as a land of Tiba with socks wearing outdoor folk But only under the following conditions Number one, that you send me signed Blu-ray discs of all of Gus Van Sant's films Except the stinkers. <laughs> the last one I received was Paranoid Park. Need I say more? Number two, a year's supply of Oregon Pinot Noir, Voodoo Donuts, and some of that skunky Stumptown Kush. Heidi Klum calls it Manolo Chronic. What you did send didn't last two weeks around here. Number three, that the state of Oregon agrees to remain the national quarantine zone for fleece clothing. Protecting the rest of us from contamination. (laughs) Well, I just saw an orange fleece vest on Regis Philbin, so containment failed. And, Portland, if you want any more love out of Project Runway in future seasons, there's something else of yours that I want, and you'd better make it work. It's. It's. Golden Fleece. Also available in Navy, Forest Green, and Rust. It's LiveWire! And now it's the host of LiveWire who hopes these winning designers can help combat the growing utilicilt menace here at home, Courtney
2: HaMeister! Welcome to the show. We've got some great stories tonight. We've got politics. It's going to be a really good night. We have Back Fence PDX storyteller Nathaniel Bogus. He's going to tell a harrowing tale of high school basketball. Scary. Uh, and here to give us the inside skinny on what these midterm elections really mean, it's your man in the House of Representatives, Congressman Earl Blumenauer, is with us. <laughs> Our musical guest tonight is the psychedelic rock band that features members of the Dandy Warhols, Brian Jonestown Massacre, and tonight, R.E.M., the Upside Down, are here. But first, please meet the members of Faces for Radio Theater, Mr. Tyler Hughes, this guy, Sean McGrath, the beautiful Shelley McClendon, our stunning siren of sound, Pat Janowski. Uh, as usual, poet Scott Poole, author of Hiding from Salesman He was going to take a single hour The amount of time it took Robert Frost to plant a tree That he would write about later He's going to take that one hour And he's going to sit in the audience And he's going to write a poem And then present it to us at the end of the hour And tell us all he learned Please welcome Mr. Poole to the show And we can't do any of it without our unbelievable house band, Ralph Huntley and the Mutton Chops. said earl blumenauer is going to be with us later he's going to talk about among other things uh what just happened in the midterm elections what what happened uh as everyone i'm sure knows by now republicans won over 60 house seats and now have control of the house of representatives it's not it's not a popular thing in portland oregon i'm sure congressman blumenauer has a good answer i actually have an idea of what may have happened Uh, So in 2008 I was happy But uh, I'm kind of a My glasses half full of something I didn't order Kind of person And so (laughs) I had this kind of paranoid Fantasy that that what happened was That in the election tug of war That year Republicans had just Let go of the rope Right? So you know how that happens Like there's a big tug of war and one team Just realizes that they're going to lose And they just look at each other and they just all at the same time Just let go and I, and, and I think that at some point they just kind of all looked at each other and thought, you know, things are going to be so royally effed for the Democrats. There's, never, there's no possible way they're going to be able to fix this in one election cycle. Most economists say that it, it, from 2008 they said it's going to take at least seven years to fix this, right? So then they can come in and save the day afterwards. That was my paranoid fantasy. And I'm, that's probably not it. Uh, <laughs> someone in the audience. No, it is. It is. We're all paranoid here. It may not be it, but, but the way that political discourse has kind of been going lately, you can see why some of us might be a little bit jaded about what people are doing and why they're doing it. Uh, but re- regardless of how we got here or where we're going from here... I would just like to ask our newly elected and returning congressional representatives one favor. Please don't take your cues on how to act in D.C. from how we're acting out here. Like the head stomping and the yelling and the fact that everyone is apparently exactly like Hitler, which is weird because he seemed like a really bad guy, didn't he? And most of us, if you look around, people seem pretty much okay, right? I mean, has anyone, has, any, has anybody here, let's just, you know, let's just get it out there. Has anyone here killed millions of people? Just, <laughs> just raise your, I don't, see, I, don't, I don't see anyone's hands. So just don't take your cues from rallies or the media. And I think that they really need to figure out how to get along, how do they do that, right? I have a couple of suggestions. Consider congressional hot wings at Hooters Day right? Because everybody loves Hooters, right? And I'm not talking about the restaurant. I'm talking about Hooters. Everyone enjoys those. Everybody just piles on to Earl Blumenauer's 435-seat tandem bike. They go and enjoy some delicious hot wings and nonpartisan conversation. Or how about congressional foosball and hot dish night at the local Elks Lodge? If you score a goal on Nancy Pelosi, you get to whack the gavel the next day, regardless of your party affiliation. Or congressional kickball and deviled Palooza. where everyone has to wear cutoffs because that's an equalizer. Cutoffs are the great equalizer. I'm sorry. Really short ones where, where some of your your ass sticks out the bottom and sometimes the pockets, which is a little weird. So everybody's got to wear cutoffs and one of their high school concert t-shirts, right? Because it's really hard to disagree with someone if you're both wearing Black Sabbath 1989 Headless Cross Tour t-shirts, which I'm sure Earl Blumenauer has, I would imagine. These are just, you know what? I'm spitballing here, Congress. These are just, you know, ideas, maybe not good ones. I'm just saying... We're all a little tired of the fighting out here, and we just hope that you guys feel the same way. So um, just, I don't know, get loaded before work when you go in on January. <laughs> I don't know. No, that wasn't, that wasn't good advice anyway. Well, you know what, we'll talk, to, we'll talk to Earl Blumenauer. I'm sure that he's got some, some really good ideas. But before we get to that, you get the fabulous treat of hearing our musical guest for tonight. They have been a part of the Northwest music scene since 2003, They've opened for Jesus and the Mary Chain, the Psychedelic Furs, and the Dandy Warhols, just to name a few. Uh, Their songs have been featured on the show's True Blood, Vampire Diaries, Life Unexpected, and others. Their most recent release is The Town with Bad Wiring. Tonight, they're joined by Scott McCoy of R.E.M. and the Minus Five and Peter Buck of R.E.M. Please welcome Reverb Records recording artist, the Upside Down to (laughs) Livewire.
4: Two red stripes A tattered star
2: Welcome to the show, you guys. So your music has been, it's been featured on True Blood and The Vampire Chronicles. Um, why would you say your music is so well-suited to stories about bloodsuckers?
5: Gosh, that's a good question. That, was, that came as a surprise to us, you know? We, we didn't realize that... It's the black. Yeah, maybe it black? is. Maybe Kind of the, the, the dark. We have some dark tones. That wasn't one of the vampire songs. That's, that song's really odd. In, on the record, you know, right. the other songs are way more vampire
6: So
2: there, are, they, are they peppier, the songs that they use on True Blood? I would say Black?
5: peppier. That one's kind of a downer, you know?
2: <laughs> yeah, you did. You were kind of harsh and Armello. mellow. And actually, so you guys have been featured on a lot of shows recently. And how do producers make that decision? How do they decide which bands to feature and what music to feature? How does that work on television shows?
5: I I think what they do is they pick the best stuff in the world. <laughs> <sighs> they try. That's what they try to do.
2: Right. <laughs>
5: and with us, they succeeded.
2: Yeah. They've, yeah, they've, they've done it. They're finished. All, a bunch of people just got fired because it's been found. So, it felt like, I, I read some of the lyrics from this record, and it feels like there's a little bit of a nature versus technology uh, theme in this, in this record. Would you say that's true? And if so, what was the impetus for that?
5: Maybe not verses, but just the fact that the two live together and uh, cause all kinds of problems. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah.
2: What sorts of problems are you, are you running into?
5: Well, uh... We always have like grounding issues, so that's a natural phenomenon.
2: Bands do. Yeah. Bands do. Yeah. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: That's pretty much it. You don't want to talk about it, do you? Just one more question. You guys, um, you guys hook up with a lot of badasses and get them to to play on your records and play live with you. Um, h- how how do you manage that? Are are you badasses yourself?
5: This is gonna sound kind of corny, but did you guys ever see that? the video or read the book The Secret
7: yes.
2: That's it?
5: That's it yeah. That's how we operate
2: <laughs> It's weird because I tried to manifest a tuna fish sandwich today at lunch and nothing Really? Nothing came No
5: Just gotta keep at it
2: Okay <laughs> That was a, that was a beautiful song uh, and and that was from your current record and are, and when you come back are you going to play another song from that record? Yes. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It's, Thanks it's for having a total us. pleasure. We'll see you guys later. The Upside Down everybody. That was the Upside Down, and you're listening to Live Wire Radio, the radio variety show created by people who are constantly distracted by shiny mental objects just like you are. Coming up, Back Fence PDX storyteller Nathaniel Bogus, Congressman Earl Blumenauer, and poet Scott Poole will be right back.
3: Okay, Nana, your computer now has the reading software installed.
7: Wonderful, Kyle. This will be so much easier than trying to use a magnifying glass to read.
3: All you have to do is put your book or letters on the scanner, hit this button here, and then a copy of the page will be read aloud to you.
7: Oh, I I might need you to help me with the scanner. I'm still a little confused as to how to use it.
3: All right, well, let me show you. Um, Do you have something you'd like me to scan?
7: Oh, yes. I have a letter from my good friend, Sam. I just got it in the mail today.
3: Okay, so you put the letter face down onto the scanner mm-hmm. here and close this thing, yeah, then hit this button, mm-hmm. and then you just hit the play button on your screen.
8: Dear Carol, you left only a moment ago, and it
3: feels like it has been days. Oh, that's sweet, Nana. <laughs> yes,
7: Sam is a special friend.
3: And if you'd like to pause it ever, you just hit this button on your screen right here.
7: Oh, well, look at that, it's so easy. Then to get it to play again, I just hit that button.
3: That's right.
8: When can I see you again, lover? When will our lips find each other again? Oh. When will my hands be allowed to once again tickle your tasty bits?
7: Oh dear! What? Mana! Oh my! How do you stop it again?
8: The vision of you napping nude in my oh. recliner is Whoa. one that will stay with me forever.
3: Oh! Hit the pause button! Hit what the is pause it? button! What is your it? Your
8: playful breasts, oh. sleeping as though they had never known the touch of my hand.
3: Oh. It's the one with the two lines on it! I
8: forward to the poetry that our fleshy folds oh. will create during another evening of oh. unseasing, vigorous love-making. Uh,
3: I think I'm gonna throw up! I'm throwing okay. up! Is this, is this you are an insatiable
8: me? lioness, Carol.
3: Oh.
8: A tigress whose passionate screams of pleasure are oh. only matched by her pleas for you more just, and you more.
3: You turned up the volume! That's all you did! <laughs>
8: Your Christmas tartan nightgown uh, is still in a ball on my floor. Please, man,
3: oh, that button just slows I, it down, makes it more sexy. Okay, I'm sorry. Wait oh.
8: until you see what I am going to do to you next. I'm sorry. I got. There, there.
7: Oh, dear. That, you know, that, that may be broken now.
3: Well, I'm sorry, Nana, but it just had to be done.
7: W- will it still work? I don't know. Oh, I have this letter from the Social Security Administration. Can we try that?
3: Fine, fine. So we just hit the button here and... Um...
8: Dear Carol, I'm losing my mind thinking about your fleshy
3: lady buttons.
7: Nana! What? <laughs>
2: Next guest hails from a teeny town in southwestern West Virginia. Shortly after arriving in the northwest, he produced a staged version of the movie Footloose and survived to tell the tale. (laughs) He's now a seasoned storyteller. He's brought down the house at storytelling events Back Fence PDX, 12 Minutes Max in Seattle, and Entertainment for People. He just finished writing his second one-man show. It's called I Was a Fat Kid, I Was a Really Fat Kid, which will debut at the Fertile Ground Festival in 2011. Please welcome Nathaniel Boggess to LiveWire.
9: Hi. My name is Nathaniel. I'm from a really small town in West Virginia uh, called Hamlin. And in the ninth grade, I joined the junior varsity basketball team for Hamlin High School. We were the Hamlin Bobcats uh, in a small town of about 1,100 people. That was not my idea to join the basketball team. I was a fat kid, and I was kind of a lazy kid. Uh, For instance, when my dad would come into my room and tell me that it was time to mow the lawn, I would... Often pretend to be asleep <laughs> or disabled or something. <laughs> I just wanted to play Sonic the Hedgehog, but he didn't understand and he insisted. So I joined the team. And we played our first game at Hearts Creek. Um, our first game of the season was an away game and it was a day game, so it meant we got to miss class, which I was like, pretty stoked about. And um, we played the game and and it, I I wasn't really that bad at basketball at the time, but my status as a fat kid and total weirdo prevented me from getting much game time. Um, because even if I was on the floor, the other kids would never throw me the ball. So I would just and I was lazy, so I would just sort of stand around, like kind of watching the game. Um, <laughs> it's the best seat. Um, And uh, I managed to score four points, which I was pretty stoked about. And then uh, the game is over and we're in the locker room and the coach comes in and he says, nobody gets on the bus that hasn't taken a shower. And I'd never taken a shower with anyone else ever at that point. So I was like, I guess this is one of those weirdo things that you have to do, like play on the basketball team. So here I go. And I take a shower and I immediately realized that Unlike everyone else on the team, I have not yet hit puberty. I am a late bloomer. <laughs> everyone else notices this, too, really fast. And before we had even reached the bus, I had become not just the fat, kind of weird kid, but like that kid in the town. And um, and they had made up a name and a theme song. So... <laughs> celebrating this. Um, they called me uh, Long Dong Bogus, uh in an apparent teenage attempt at irony and they, <laughs> and they had a song. Um, they sang The Leader of the Pack um, but they changed the words to Long Dong Boggess The Peter of the Pack. Eventually this would become a very complicated like if you can imagine a chorus line of 15 year old boys kind of pantomiming a motorcycle and going Yeah Even at that age, I was like, that's a weird way to make fun of somebody, I think. (laughs) The the bus ride home was a... It kind of felt like a funeral. I had to sit near the front because who wants to sit next to Long Dong Bogus? The coach even was a little bummed about having to sit sort of near me. But he he made uh, some sort of lame uh, congratulations on your four points thing and then did that high five force thing that adults often do to children or... Yeah, good job kind of thing. But I knew I knew what he was really saying. He was saying I know what they're saying to you and I'm as powerless as you are to stop them. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so people would just then say the name whenever they whenever they saw me or felt so inclined, probably they said it when I wasn't even around and I just never got to hear it. They would uh, in the hallways, at lunch, sometimes in English English class just for I, for what I could tell, was no reason at all. Um, uh, uh, one time I was walking down the hall and there was this beautiful tall girl named Angie and she was standing with uh, Tiffany and Amber. This really were their names. Uh, and, and she was like, hey, why did they call you Long Dong? And I'm all, I don't know. And I just ran into the hall so they couldn't see me cry. And then one day, my sister and I <laughs> were arguing and, and, and she goes, whatever, Long Dong. And I'm like how do you, you're three years younger than me. How do you even know about that? Who told you about that? Do you even know what it means? You, know what means? you can't possibly know what that means. You can't possibly know what that name means to me when I go into school every day and they call me faggot and they laugh at me and they push me every day when that happens to me. You have no idea what that means. How do you even know? But in this small town, if you know, then my dad knows. My dad knows that his son is a weirdo. And the fat, lazy kid that everyone says those things about. My dad knows, and I'm really sorry, Dad. I tried really hard. I fought back hard, but I i don't know what to do about this. The name gave them a specificity, and it lent them a license they had not yet had. Uh, I became not a person, but a character to which they gave their worst. I was a mirror, they held up to themselves. And the things that they hated about themselves, they saw in me magnified. If they were uh, dumb, I was dumber. If they were inadequate, I was worthless. If they were ugly, I was hideous. And they hated me for it. Um, And the braver they became, the more passive I became. So when they came to give me the wedgies, I, I let them. And when they called me the name, I didn't say anything back. And when they would push me, I wouldn't push them back. Hoping that my reluctance to challenge them would take away the gratification of the act. This turned out to be a grossly inaccurate assumption. (laughs) (laughs) They've just loved it. Um, uh, So my body became the enemy. And for many years, uh, we were at war. But um, eventually, I was allowed to leave that place behind and those people... After many years, I found out that my body is okay and it is fine and normal, and that I am too big to hold down if I decide that I do not want to be. Thank you.
3: You're listening to Livewire, the radio show for people who love variety so much they would make out with it if they could. <laughs> if you live in the Portland area, come to our next live show on November 19th at the Alberta Rose Theater. Guests include political satirist Will Durst, orangutan expert Dr. Barute Galdacas, radio turned podcast hosts Court and Fatboy, author Jeff Greenwald, music from the Blue Cranes, and others. For more information, visit our website at livewireradio.org. Next
4: on the 70s channel, Steinem and Sanger take to the hard streets of Chicago in another episode of Steinem and Sanger, Lady Cops. Look out, they're ladies with guns. They put their hair up in buns.
0: Cause they're running and driving. They're hiding behind walls, signaling to each other to go. Because I'll cover you. It's Steinem and Sanger,
4: Lady Cops.
1: Gonzalez,
7: give up!
1: Never! We've already called for backup. Half the department is gonna show up in a minute, and it's gonna get really heavy. Yeah, I don't care. Out of bullets yet? You jack turkeys will never catch me! Oh, I see what you're saying. You think just because we're women that we can't bring you in? Is that it? Disgusting! No, that, that's not what I was saying at all. Let me tell you something, mister. Yes, we are ladies, and we have feelings about things, and soft, supple skin that's infinitely touchable. We moisturize. Okay, I know, but... Listen to her. But these soft hands can handle the cold steel of a gun just as well as some giant man hands can. Yeah, the patriarchy is total jive. Uh, Okay, I know, I wasn't saying anything about that. Listen, I'm a bad guy, okay? I'm supposed to say you won't get me. It's not even a gender thing. I don't... Oh, my God! Sure it's not. Tell it to the chief, Gonzalez. Oh. Sexist.
3: Steinem, Sanger, in my office now. Move it.
2: Sorry we're wearing heels. <laughs>
3: Get in here. Do you realize how much damage you two did to that building?
1: We should explain.
3: Sit on it, Sanger. You shot out 25 windows, an old lady's color TV, and you blinded a cat.
2: Oh, I don't remember blinding. Not to
3: mention the fact that you totaled the Camaro.
2: Oh, wait a minute, Chief. What are you trying to say? Just because we're a couple of foxy broads who wear high heels and righteous bell-bottom slacks, then we don't know how to drive a car?
3: What? not? Nah, right, uh,
1: do you think the wheel gets caught on my generous bazoom?
3: Oh, of course not. I I screamed at Labretti last week for wrecking the Corvair.
7: Oh, sure you did. But maybe we didn't hear you so good because our tiny lady ears don't work so good. Would you like my gun, sir?
3: Why would I want your gun?
1: Because maybe you think just because I can carry something in my womb that I won't be able to carry a weapon.
3: Look, girls, uh, uh, ladies, women, uh, what do you prefer to be called? Gals? I don't know.
7: How about detectives? Yeah!
3: But you're not detectives yet.
2: And why is that, Chief? Oh, it's because of our slightly decreased red blood cell count and hemoglobin capacity in comparison to men, isn't it? You're
7: disgusting.
3: Those are a couple of cold bitches. Stay tuned for more Steinem and
4: Sanger. Brought to you by Massengill. Massengill. Because there are so many things wrong with you, let us at least address one of them.
2: Our next guest was elected to the Oregon Legislature in 1972, and he has been in public service ever since. He was elected to the U.S. House of Representatives in 1996, and since then, he's been one of the country's strongest voices for livable communities, sustainability, and finding alternatives to fossil fuels. He has been awesome. (laughs) He's been around the block in Washington, probably on his bike. So he already knows what it's like to be a member of the House majority and the House minority. And he's about to make that swap again. Please welcome Congressman Earl Blumenauer to Livewire. Welcome to the show, Congressman Blumenauer.
10: Great to be with you again.
2: It's good to have you here, and we're so glad that we have you here now, um, because we're hoping that you are going to shed, uh, you're going to illuminate some things for us, shed some light, make us happier. Can you make us happier?
10: Absolutely. Good. Absolutely. Great <laughs> things have happened already.
2: Good. Good. Um, well, before we get to the great things, I yeah. did want to talk... Uh...
10: <laughs> <laughs> Work with me here. I just, this... <laughs>
2: Um, I did want to talk a little bit about humor and politics Because um, my understanding is that you're sort of known as the guy who, Who enjoys the funny in the House of Representatives How much funny is there?
10: Uh, It's, you know, actually, uh, humor in politics, I think, is is very important. Uh, Part of the problem is people take themselves too seriously. I actually do a comedy night every year in Washington, D.C., with uh, fellow colleagues who come in and and be funny on purpose. Uh, And it's it's amazing. Um, And if you just watch the dynamics... Um, yeah, it puts it in perspective, and I think actually one of the problems that we've seen is that uh, of late people have taken themselves too seriously. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the humor comes from something that somebody writes for them, um, and this is going to be a target rich environment uh, mm-hmm. when we get there with the new Congress. And right. and, um, and I'm, I'm I'm hopeful that it's taken yeah. in that spirit. Right? <laughs>
2: Uh, well, let's just jump in to to what happened. The midterm elections were Tuesday. What happened?
10: Well, um, <laughs> it was what they call a... Um, uh, it was a sort of a wave election. Uh, but it's an interesting one. It's the first wave election in history where the people that were swept out had higher approval ratings than the people who will be replacing them. Um, and it's... And it, and it is, uh, I think, indicative that the American public is impatient. I mean, people are hurting. They're frustrated. Uh, they want change, and they would like, uh, I think, to see a little, more, a little more action, and they would like a little more comedy. Uh, com- <laughs> or comedy. I mean, you know, uh, um, this was predictable to a certain extent. I mean, every midterm election... Uh, revolts in uh, you know what, uh, couple dozen seats lost by the party in power. Uh, this was uh, more uh, more a- a- aggressive. It was uh, uh, in part, I think, uh, affected by no in no small amount by the, the recent Supreme Court decision where you know we had almost four billion dollars spent in the main uh, distorting and vilifying uh, uh, polit- politicians on both sides. Um, it's interesting, though, that the red tide sort of hit a blue wall in the West. Yeah, um,
2: it. Um, it did. And, there are some people who are happy about that.
10: And, and we, we saw uh, Senator Murray in Washington, Senator Boxer in California, our own Senator Wyden, um, uh, Governor Brown. Uh, one of the things that actually made me very pleased on election night was the uh, pernicious... Uh, ballot measure 23 in California that would have repealed their uh, carbon-constrained, uh, you know, uh, uh, energy uh, provisions, uh, financed by out-of-state oil interests, went down in flames. That's fantastic. Which is which is fascinating. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you, there was a lot of activity here. Um, it uh, there were so many people voting at the last minute, we didn't actually find out who was g- governor. Uh, until a day and a half after the polls closed. And one of my favorite statistics for the entire election is that the number of people who turned in their ballot on Election Day, who kind of got motivated and turned it was more than happened in the 2008 presidential election. Wow. I mean, stuff was going on here.
2: Why do you think that is?
10: Uh, I think, uh, in part, there was a very aggressive campaign. Young men and women sort of stepped up. They realized that this is serious. They were heard. Uh, Our state is kind of divided if you you look at the results. You know, 30-30 tie in the uh, state uh, assembly, uh, almost a tie in the state senate, a very close election for governor. Um, But I think that disguises a larger truth, which I think actually there is more consensus about what people want uh, than is revealed in the election process. And it's going to be fascinating watching how that plays out in Salem with a new governor, how it plays out in Washington, D.C. with uh, some people with very different ideas about how government should work. There are a number of them that were elected uh, basically being opposed to taxation with representation. It's, it's a different... Uh...
2: So this is part of the consensus that you're talking about. <laughs> well, I mean, what, so what is this consensus that these people are, well, are I, agreeing saying, on? I think
10: the overwhelming number of American citizens would agree that, you know, we don't have to be spending a lot of money defending Western Europe... From the Soviet Union when both countries disappeared 20 years ago, and we're spending billions on that. I think there's a consensus to do that uh, in areas of uh, energy conservation. Uh, people may not like Obamacare, but each of the specific provisions um, really are quite popular. So there are things that we can get on.
2: Well, I, you've been through a couple of these swaps before in DC. So, what is it like? It, What's it like when you go in the first day after a big change like this?
10: Well, this is going to be unlike anything we've seen before because some of the fascinating changes are, are, are within uh, the Republican Party itself. Uh, there are a number of these people who have some pretty dramatic positions that um, they don't agree with themselves. And there's a very real <laughs> possibility that we're going to see the extreme right uh, arguing with the far right, and then there'll be some people that are be so far over that you're going to have to rappel down to find them. Um, and, and, there are, and there are certain realities in terms of having a budget, for instance. And so there may be a possibility that we're going to see some compromise, some accommodation uh, for dealing with some of the larger problems.
2: Where do you see that compromise coming from? John Boehner, who will now be the the majority leader. Orange
10: crush. Yes. (laughs) In the house.
2: Well, he actually was one of the people who mistakenly touted your end-of-life consultation addition to the to the uh, medical bill um, as my, my, encouraging...
10: My near-death panel experience. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah.
2: He, he, yeah. So he was one of those people. So how do you begin building bridges with, with these well, people? Well, I mean, I'm,
10: I'm glad you mentioned that because that's an example of something going forward. Where we'll be able to see if there are people that are interested in... Uh, Actually, solving problems. I introduced this in the healthcare debate uh, at the beginning because it was something that almost everybody agreed on. and And people on both sides uh, had stories where they really felt like their family's wishes weren't respected. In some cases, uh, late stage was almost like torture that people were uh, subjected to. They were frightened. They were scared. uh, And the default was something that nobody wanted. Uh, So we've structured this legislation. It actually. Uh, We started a pushback. Uh, Sarah Palin's labeling this death panel was judged the Political Lie of the Year uh, for uh,
6: 2009.
10: Um, And and we're offering it up. I mean, there's been... uh, I think this is something that will change the name. We'll make it clear that this is all about family choices and giving them information. And this will be an example where I think the overwhelming percentage of families would like to move in this direction, we'll give them a chance uh, with a renamed, scoped-down opportunity to solve a problem outside the context of the health care bill.
2: And, and this one possibly might not get attacked. But in some sense, the damage is done to the relationships, right? These, these were people who, who agreed at the outset on this part of the bill, then my guess is when people started attacking it, they may have jumped on that bandwagon. Well, there's how, some, do you, well, how do you forgive people well, and start and work with them I mean, in situations all, we're, like that? We're all
10: grown-ups. and uh, or, well, Many of us are grown-ups. Uh, <laughs> um, um, and and at, at some point, the, the people are heard from. And there have been just amazing articles that appeared recently in The New Yorker, uh, uh, in the, the Times Sunday Magazine, uh, there's been more uh, debate and controversy about the problem. Um, I think uh, this is an opportunity for people to move forward. And I don't care what it is, whether it's end-of-life care, whether it's bike partisanship. Uh, we've got legislation uh, that's entitled Water for the World to help poor people get safe drinking water and help with sanitation that passed the Senate, unanimously...
2: Wow, that's fantastic.
10: Well, can we get this bill through, build some momentum, small steps? I think that's how you build the trust and the momentum, is focusing on some of these things going forward.
2: Well, and moving forward... Of course, when, whenever this happens, all the word gridlock is used a lot as in sort of an ending to this. What can you say to us that will sort of give us hope? Is there a story that, that you know well, of or, where somebody's just reached across the aisle and to their own detriment from their party, they've, they've really cooperated with each other? Well, I mean, first of all,
10: you know, in terms of gridlock, I mean, I'm, I'm a House guy. We have 372 bills that we passed that, that are languished there. There is already gridlock. Uh, in, in a calculated sense. Uh, but I, But one of the things that happens is the American people will be heard from. The American people are, I think, agreeing actually on far more than is revealed by the political process. Uh, 59% of the people in a poll the day after the election said they expected to be disappointed by the Republicans taking power. So, so
2: I think... I think the people is, they just voted for.
10: I think there's a real incentive to move this stuff forward, uh, and uh, I'm going to be looking for areas that I can find that where there is, I say, whether it's bike partisanship, health care, uh, some of the environmental things, water for the poor, I think there are things that we can do that, uh, that some people can start cooperating on, and who knows, right. they may like it.
2: Well, and uh, it may interest you to know that on opencongress.com, it states that out of Fifteen hundred and ten roll call votes, you and Boehner actually voted together forty three percent of the time. Wow. See? You guys can you should golf with him.
10: (laughs) You you probably shouldn't let John's people know that or he he's out, you know. (laughs) Right. It it, it will be speaker Michelle (laughs) Bachman. Whoa.
2: We're not fans. Whoa. We're clearly not fans. (laughs) That smarts a little bit, doesn't it? We get it all the time. Um,
10: <laughs> Deservedly so, but I'm, I'm just a friend. I'm a traveler here. I'm a guest.
2: Well, it was such a pleasure having you here, and we're so grateful that you came and explained some of this to us and, and gave us a little bit of hope. Thanks, Courtney. <laughs> I was congressman earl blumenauer you're listening to live wire radio it's like a box of entertainment candy but with none of the cream filled ones that you take a bite out of and put back like no one's gonna notice we notice we'll be right back Back to Livewire. And now it's time for the. Audience haiku! We have asked our fabulously dressed audience to expound on three subjects tonight haiku, fashion, and the upside, all in the form of haiku. Faces for Radio Theater have chosen their favorites, and they will now read them with the help of Ralph Huntley. Tonight's haiku is, as always, brought to you by the New Belgium Brewing Company, this month featuring their winter ale, Two Below. Two Below Winter Ale, pushed to a nearly freezing state, it has a bright, hoppy afterglow, like winter bunnies after a night of sweet, sweet lovemaking. (laughs) Thanks, New Belgium. And now, audience haiku! All
3: right, I have one uh, from Neil P. Ralph, can I get some musical accompaniment? Something nostalgic, maybe um, bitter, but resigned.
0: Bitter butt resigned or bitter end
3: resigned? (laughs) What do you got? You got butt resigned? I'm going to go with
0: end resigned.
3: All right. It gets better, huh? I still get wedgies daily, and I'm 46. (laughs) Thanks for opening up, Neil P.
4: Ralph, can I get some Leave It to Beaver 50s iconic something nice? Despite your new clothes, the cool kids still won't like you. So, where would you like? Some uh, parental advice from Matt. Thank you, Matt.
1: Ralph, can I get something that sounds similar to Oops I Did It Again by Britney Spears, please? <laughs>
0: Um, yeah?
1: Fashionably lame, I loved my school uniform. My husband still does. Sarah. Sarah Richards is naughty.
2: Fabulous job on the audience haiku! (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, once again, the Upside Down. Been typing poetically for the last 56 minutes. Please welcome back to the stage Mr. Scott Poole.
6: What I Learned Tonight by Scott Poole. I learned that I no longer want to be ashamed of my fleece. I think everyone should be covered in fleece. I think everything should be covered in fleece. Trees, for instance, would benefit greatly from wearing fleece. It would sure make tree hugging feel better. Nobody wants to chainsaw something wearing fleece. Be kind of like chainsawing Uncle Frank at the family picnic. Do you really want to be the guy who chainsaws Uncle Frank at the family picnic? He's got a big belly. He's comfy. (laughs) Instead, why don't you be the guy who wears fleece? Don't you just want to pick up a guitar and beautifully begin to sing, maybe in a rowboat, your reflection, the upside-down reaching deep with fractured fingers to the bottom of the green? It should be a rowboat covered in fleece, a rowboat so comfortable the lake has to sigh and let up those little wisps of steam the kind swans condescend to glide through the kind of scene you might see in a vampire movie. (laughs) Yes, vampires covered in fleece. I mean, if they're going to grow up in Forks, Washington, they're going to have to wear fleece. (laughs) And they're going to be reading the book, The Secret. (laughs) This is where they learn to manipulate roaming Sasquatch and understand their thoughts using advanced brain-reading technology. Turns out Sasquatch don't mind being manipulated if you're wearing fleece. Yes, Mr. Vampire, are you thirsty? Can I get you a lemonade? Do you want me to rip the arms off your Uncle Frank? (laughs) Showering with the basketball team, I think it would be better to wear fleece than two, because nobody would notice you were a late bloomer, which makes me think that Barbie dolls, Star Wars figurines, and other small objects should wear fleece as well. I think all congressmen should wear fleece instead of just fleecing. And stand up in row votes and have to play guitar to swans while they're introducing legislation in our nation's House of Representatives, which is widely known to be full of vampires with their own manipulated hairy sasquatches. <laughs> Obama is Hitler. Obama is Hitler. Sasquatch, you idiot. I said Obama's is slightly to the left. Oh. It might make us all wear a little more fleece. And then I think we'd all be more into hugging. And all the extra deodorant we're going to have to wear sure to create about 6.5 million jobs. And that would be nice, wouldn't it? Hug. Scott Poole. I love you, Live Wire people. That's
2: our show for tonight. Thank you so much for coming out.
3: thanks to our guests tonight, Nathaniel Bogus, Earl Blumenauer, and the Upside Down. The mutton chops were Ralph Huntley, Jim Brumberg, and Dave Jorgensen. Tonight's show was made possible in part by our sponsors, New Belgium Brewing Company, Whole Foods Market, the Falcon Art Community, Leica, and Willamette Week. Additional funding provided by the Regional Arts and Culture Council, the Oregon Cultural Trust, the James F. and Marion L. Miller Foundation, and listeners such as You Fine People. Hotel accommodations generously provided by Hotel Deluxe. Livewire is created and produced by Kate Sokoloff and Robin Tannenbaum. Technical production by Jim Brumberg from Mississippi Studios. Recording engineering by Jonathan Newsom. House Sound by Jeff Simmons. Special thanks to Rose City Sound. The faces for Radio Theater are writers Courtney Hommeister, Tyler Hughes, Sean McGrath, Shelley McClendon of The Liberators, and Siren of Sound, Pachanowski. LiveWire's house poet is Scott Poole. Production management and lighting by Drew Flint. Theme by Courtney Mondreli and Ralph Huntley. Craft services by Whole Foods Market. Graphic and web design by Danger Creative. Web development by ocean Our operations manager is Adrian Schaefer. For more information about LiveWire or to subscribe to our podcast, visit our website at livewireradio.org. This is Tyler Hughes, and I recently went to credit counseling. Their advice... Hurry up and finish reading the credits already. We're running out of theme
0: song. Dear Live Wire, When we first met, I was really shy. I had no idea we'd spend so much time together or that you'd be one to fill my heart with, with joy and make me want to be a better person. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know you were here. I was busy reading a review from one of our many Many rapturously smitten listeners. Oh, wait. Actually, no, sorry. This is from Elena. Anyway, the point is uh, it would be really helpful if you wanted to leave us a review. Feel free to say really nice things about us, and uh, we'll even read them now and then on the show. So you might hear your review of LiveWire read on the program itself. Uh, Reviews help other people hear about the show, and then we can keep doing this for a long, long time because we love having this job. Uh, Thank you so much. If you've left a review and if you're about to leave a review, you can go ahead and do it right where you get the podcast.